Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse. Spoiler country. And welcome also to Hard Degree. Wait, who's who's this guy? What are you doing? What are you doing? What do you mean who's this guy? It's me. Dudes, it's me. Sumner, it's who's, me. Who's me? Your pal. Your, your pal, your English pal from London. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, mate, this is spoiler country. Mate, it's like the prestige. I'm everywhere. You know what I mean? Is that, is, is that, is it, is that Gary Oldman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking everywhere, man. Um, so, so basically, yeah, now is as good a time as any, right? Yeah, so it is a good time. time. For us to, la- to, to announce the launch of Hard Degree, which is a new Spoilerverse podcast strand that is launching in January. You know, it's um, funny, though, is we yeah. haven't said your name. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just assume that people hear my voice and they know who I am. You know, like yeah, they, should. Wells, they should. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> isn't that the guy who does the intros? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is oh, yeah, the guy so who does people the hear your voice every episode. Yeah, every know, episode right? they hear your voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a true story, right? I used to work for a, a big, um, I still haven't said my name, but I will do. But before I no, say no, that, no. I used to work for a big uh, publishing company in the UK. It's called IPC. Used to uh, mm-hmm. used to publish lots of famous magazines in in England, and uh, some of which I published. And uh, and um, it used to publish all the famous comic books from the fifties and sixties in the UK nice. as well. Uh, and um, and basically, I was one of the I was one of the publishers, one of the publishing directors there. And I always got the sense when I was walking around that business that when I spoke to people for the first time, they they already knew who I was, and it was really discomforting. And in the end, I thought, oh, God, this must be some kind of reverse move of imposter syndrome. I just think fucking everybody knows who I am when I talk to them. And it's, you know, my own ego, like, getting out of control. And then a friend of mine who is one of the uh, the HR directors said, oh, do you remember that time, you know, after you'd been here for about two months, where you recorded an on-camera piece about what it is a publisher actually does versus an editor or a marketing manager or a circulation manager? And I was like, yeah, you yeah, know, of course. He said, "Oh, we really like that." So, so because sometimes lots of people in the publishing business and the magazine business would go, "Well, I know what an editor does, and I know what a sales director does, and I know what a circulation manager does. What the fuck does a publisher do?" That'd be the running joke, <laughs> as if you know, were the people in charge who do fuck all, which may or may not have been true. But but they asked me to explain, so I did in my usual manner. And um, she then said, "Yeah, we like that so much that we." We put it onto the um, we put it onto the, uh, the the video for when people do their induction into the company. Um, that uh, was that we showed that to everybody who's inducted into working for IPC. <laughs> oh, that's I was hilarious. like, "How long have you been doing that for?" And she said, "Well, you know, two the months, last eight years." 
so everybody fucking did know who I was because the first thing they saw on their first day in the company was me telling them what a publisher did, right? I thought I was just being totally paranoid, but there we go. And, That's uh, hilarious. Oh, yeah, and you boys know this, yeah, but my name is Andrew Sumner. Um, and over the years, for whatever reason, most people call me by my surname, which is something I'm comfortable with. It's not an issue. I'd rather be called some of the other names I could think of and have been called. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but of course, um, I'm here with uh, two of my best friends, John Horsley, the third, and Kenrick Regan. That's right. How you doing, the boys? First. <laughs> good, oh, man. man. Doing great. Got, it's we got been... Sumner on the phone. Of course, we're doing great, man. It's always <laughs> it, good times. So, it's been so a weird year. It's been a while, hasn't it, actually, Kenrick? Yeah. It has been a while. And it's been a, this has been a strange, strange year. We've had the, the pandemic going on. Um, but had some personal growth, some personal, uh, goals set and, and obtained. And, uh, it's, it's, I, I hate to say it. I, I feel very blessed this year, even yeah. though with everything going on, you know, I, mean, I bought a new house. I, I finally was able to get my kid un- adopted. So she's legally blind. So happy for yeah. you. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long tumultuous road and it's 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 finally come to pass so it's it's just weird i feel like as everything else is going to shit everything for me is coming up process <laughs> yeah but it's good i mean I, I mean you boys are both blessed i mean as far as i'm aware you know you've both moved into new places this year right yep yep yeah yep johnny got yeah. his his uh he got his compound, compound. So, amazing yeah it's not a compound got, but yeah have i ever sent ever sent you my picture of uh sumner hq in the snow which is my place in the snow classically dickensian and christmas actually do you know what i mean so you know i'm a big believer in living in a nice place and and as you know i'm a dedicated father of two now uh very opinionated and adult kids you know who are who are you know i'm extremely close to and um and and it's uh you know, I'm a big believer in parenthood. And I think the things you boys have achieved personally have been great. And I think really for, for people like ourselves who have continued to be like fortunate um, during this terrible year where yeah. I was going to crack a joke earlier on, it's like, yeah, you'd almost think, you know, the world has fallen apart from both a public health perspective and a political perspective, which it has yeah. on both sides of the Atlantic, by the way. You know, uh, I mean, you know, there's a strong argument that, um, yeah, it's absolutely the government we have in the UK at the moment is the worst government of my, worst UK government of my entire lifetime. They're a bunch of mendacious, um, incompetent clowns, right? And they would be the worst government in the world if the Trump administration didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Americans got to go big. So sadly, they're only coming a close second. Do you know what I mean? But you know, well, I mean, without getting into too much into the, uh, into the into the into the into the nuts of that, it's been a very very challenging year for a lot of people. And uh, and the reality is, and a big part of what we're here to talk about today is is actually one has to be like super mindful of the fact that you know this 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 past year has damaged such a vast <coughs> amount of Americans, such a vast amount yeah. of British people such a vast amount of the world's citizens, you know. It's been it's, it's, a very crazy it, it's time. It's been a very tough year for so many people. Yeah. But it you has, come across has. with a, an amazing idea, Sumner. 
And I, I, I think people are going to really, really love this. This is a, a prelude or a prelude or how do how you say how do you say it with your Liverpool uh, accent? Prelude. Hey mate, prelude. it's a fucking prelude. You know, it sounds like, yeah, yeah. which by the way, the Beatles used to take uh, a lot of a drug called prelude in prellies when they were playing in Hamburg, which is like kind of essentially like speed. And that yeah. was their first mm-hmm. real experience with uh, with hard drugs. I don't know why I, why I pivoted into that, but you know, there we go. Uh, yeah, but it works, you know. Always, always pivoted into drugs or, or it was, alcohol. It was, it was the prelude. It was the prelude. <laughs> but so, this, so true story, right? We're recording this, and and I'm actually, I'm not in Seattle. I'm in London, and it's uh, six forty in the evening here. It's very early yep. in the morning in Seattle, so I can, I can here. sit here drinking my Ryan Ginger while the boys have just got their coffee or or what have you. You know, so I, I think tea. I think I've got the best of of that of that temporal. Yeah, deal. I think. Yeah, you, you get a much better. <laughs> yeah, so you're having a lot more fun than we are. I, I guess Not the thing to talk fun. about is what is hard degree and what is this prelude all about. So, yep. so hard degree essentially is uh, is going to be a podcast produced by John and Kenrick and and, and myself, um, and, and rather than me just doing the voiceover at the beginning or guesting every now and again, it's going to be. I, I've worked in different aspects of the media for thirty years, met a bunch of people. And really, I'm a positivist by nature, as you guys know, while also recognizing how incredibly fucked up the world in which we live is and being super aware of that. And and what I really want to focus on in hard degree, which is, you know, essentially a series of positivist conversations with the people I've come across over the years, you know, in, in business, in the creative business, in the magazine industry, in the movie industry, in the comic book industry about the things that we can all agree on. I've got a saying that I often use, which is where the title, which is where the title comes from, which is if one of my mates like John or, or Kenrick says to me, blah, 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 I think this, I'll go fucking hard agree, man, totally, yeah. And it just <laughs> means the things on which we supremely connect and, and feel to be the same and feel the same way about. And what this podcast is about is very simply the things that connect us, the things we are passionate about, which allows us to connect with other people who feel passionate about the same thing. It's not about everything I'm passionate about and the people I know also share those passions. It's just about passion in general uh, and focus in general and, and positive interest in general. It can be about things that you know I've never even considered, but somebody I know or somebody I want to talk to connects about that thing with somebody else. And that's really it. It's really about human connection and the thing that you, things that unite us as human beings. Because without yeah. sounding too simplistic about it, right, guys, you know, ultimately, if humankind is to survive, it will be about finding common ground where we can celebrate our mutual interest and the things that we have in common, not the things that divide us. To focus on the things that divide us and differences with other people, <coughs> therein lies destruction. And, you know, we're teaching on a fucking knife edge. Let's not dick around about it. We all know that is a fact. Yeah, and you guys have got young kids, and I have got kids who are young adults, and, and they have been left a very sorry legacy by, you know, <laughs> 2,000 years of human history, you know, to get this yeah. point they're at now, on a fucking knife edge when they needn't be. But, you know, the, re- the way we... The reason... 
human beings are the preeminent life form on the planet, a planet which might just turn around in the next hundred years and go, you can all fuck off. You know, well, I think we'll <laughs> right. take the planet back. Thanks very much. The reason why the preeminent life form is because we form societies um, and yeah. f- form coalitions of common thought. It's not because we fight each other and got a massive history for colonialization and imperialism and slaughtering each other. Yeah, we had to have a massive history for doing all of that shit. But the reality is we form societies and, and the way our human society will continue is by exploring the things that connect us all. Now, that's a big highfalutin explanation for a podcast that's essentially going to be about popular culture. Yeah, this isn't going to be, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, hours and hours of deep thoughts about the human condition. But my, you know, uh, I'm a fairly simplistic person, so therefore my way into just talking about those big issues is to take the micro view of, of what is it that connects us and explore that. And, you know, you, you the three of us, I've spent many hours talking about this in the couple of years we've known each other, right, boys? Yep, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we, got, we have some great, I mean, if you look at the Spoilverse archives, there's some great episodes with us just chatting about basically random things that get that didn't get to flow into full topics about movies or comics or creators. And it's just, you know, they're amazing conversations. And I look forward to seeing more on Degree. Yeah. I heartily recommend that people go to spoilerverse.com, look up Andrew Sumner and get the episode where he, <laughs> he goes over his Chris <laughs> Penn interview. It is one of the most satisfying and hilarious stories you will ever listen to. <laughs> and, and, and sadly, every word of it's true. You know, I wish that I was exaggerating that story for a fact, but in fact, I'm oh, not. God, the handshake, and, uh, dude. I have listened to that interview like four or five times now. And the handshake scenario uh, gets yeah, the me yeah, every time. The <laughs> that should, don't, don't put that on my gravestone. The handshake was the key. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but I think what we're going to do is our previous conversations with Spoilerverse are going to remain on Spoiler Country, but we're also going to stick them into the Hard Degree archive, aren't we? Yep. Yeah, I yeah, think exactly. so. We're going to cut them. Just, we're going to recut yeah. them a little bit, um, do a new intro for them and stuff, and get them in the Hard Degree channel as well. So, because they're, they're fun conversations and they fit the tone of what the Hard Degree show is going to be. And yeah. it's great for more, more people to hear those awesome conversations. Oh, yeah. You're too, you're too kind, mate. So, so what we're going to do is um, Hard Degree is going to go live sometime in January. Yeah. Watch this space for more information about the first episode. And from then on, uh, we, we're going to be going out. We're not sure weekly or bi-weekly. Yeah, with, with Hard Degree. But in the meantime, we're launching Hard Degree with a special event. And yes. it's a co-production. It's a, co- it's a co-production by the three of us, but across, across both Hard Degree and across Spoiler Country. And this is the event that we're launching. If you're if you're listening to this literally as it goes live, that we'll be launching tomorrow. And yep. uh, and this is a prelude to that event. And the event that we're launching is a spoilerverse Christmas Carol. And just to explain exactly what that's all about is um, the three of us are united by our love of comic books and popular culture. And that is indeed how we all met at San Diego a couple of years ago, right, guys? Yep. Yeah. 2017. And, and if you hear any of our conversations, it's not long before it arcs back into the comic book world somehow. So the beauty of the comic book world is that it's driven by the direct market. And the direct market is essentially a federation of um, mom and pop stores, of individually owned comic book stores, which is the linchpin of pop culture for pop culture fans in their particular town. 
And as a result of that, you're not talking about big business. You're talking right. about lots and lots of individual stores across America and across the UK and across, the, across Europe, across the world. And yep. so some old friends of mine, uh, principally Bill Shane is a really good friend of mine. He was uh, one of the guys who ran Diamond Distributors, Diamond Con Comics for many, many years. An incredible, supremely hardworking, very bright man. And uh, another awesome dude called uh, Philip Sablick. Philip Sablick is the president of uh, publishing and marketing at Boom Studios. So what you need to know about Boom Studios is they're an amazing comic book publisher. Yeah, uh, yeah. And what you need to know about Philip Sablick, and you guys might have seen him actually, because he, uh, he, um, he usually presents the Boom section at the Diamond Retail Appreciation Lunch Breakfast that happens at San Diego, New York Comic Con. That's where we met you. Yeah, and that's where you <laughs> met me. Yeah. So, so basically, um, as you know, one of the things that I do is I do a lot of uh, lot of like large room presenting. Yeah, and uh, and uh, my my day job is being the EVP of the Titan Entertainment Group, executive vice president there. And we have an amazing comics imprint, Titan Comics, which isn't run by me. It's run by two hugely talented guys called uh, Ricky Clayden and uh, John D. And I'm calling him John D because he has a kind of like Polish name that I'm never very good at pronouncing. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's from Chicago, by the way. I, I, in fact, he lives nice. very close to Aurora, home of Wayne's World, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's nice. very ably run by Wayne's the two World. of them. Uh, and uh, they Fine just do, I, they do amazing stuff. So, so at, at New York Comic Con in San Diego, I generally present to the comic book retailers of America about what Titan are doing. And, uh, and I, you know, I enjoy large-scale presenting, as both of you guys know. But the, the two other people in that space who I would say for me are people whose presentations I always enjoy are a guy called Dirk Wood, who traditionally has always presented IDW. Dirk doesn't work at IDW anymore. He works for Image now. And he is yeah. uh, like a funny, natural, super, supremely witty dude. Great presenter. Nice. And, nice. And then, and then an, another dude, who's the dude I've just mentioned, Philip Sablick, who's the president at Boom Studios. And, um, and he has got, uh, he's got a different style to say myself. I've got a different, we've all got different styles. But um, what Philip is, is he's, he's, he has got the tightest, most together, most Cl nuclear, clinically focused presentations uh, at at those at those events, and uh, I always really yeah. enjoy watching them. You know, he's a very smart guy. You know, he he uh, he, re he really knows what he's doing. He loves the comic book industry, and um, and you know he he's a great he's a great figurehead um, leader for Boom Studios. And nice. like me, he's a, he's a, an adherent to Mike, Malcolm Gladwell, the uh, the. Uh, the Canadian like journalist and sociological thinker, and uh, and his presentations are awesome. And and for a long time, I didn't really know Philip. I would just sit there and watch the presentation. Think, oh yeah, that cat's doing a really good job. Very different to what I do, but you know, it, it's it's brilliant the way that he does it. And uh, watch him with huge admiration, like I would watch Dirk. Anyway, this is the usual Sumner-esque story where I make a point, and five <laughs> minutes later, I still haven't got there. So basically, <laughs> Give Comics Out right has been set up by um, Bill Shainers, my mate who used to run Diamond, and Philip Sablett, my mate who runs Boom. And, and the whole point of GiveComicsOut.org is to support those um, individual mom-and-pop stores, those independently, individually-owned comic book stores that are the backbone of our business in what is a very, very testing time. 
to have to run a family-owned business. And, yeah. um, and essentially what gives what give Comics Hope that all you're doing is running a, a series of um, auctions with high-value items uh, contributed by well-known comic book creators to raise funds for these stores across the world. They're doing That's amazing awesome. work, and you have to check them out at givecomicshope.org. And, and so, you know, I, as it happens... I don't have any high value pieces of artwork or comic books that I can donate. You know, I wish that I did, but I don't. But what, what we were able to do is to help, um, you know, maybe create some like a, you know, sort of uh, amplification for that project by presenting a spoiler verse Christmas Carol. So the point with the spoiler verse Christmas Carol, the genesis of it, and this is something that John and Kenrick and I have been talking about for about a year or so is that we're all great lovers of Charles Dickens. Yep. And we're all great lovers of A Christmas Carol, which despite the fact that it was written over 150 years ago, is alive today. It's amazing, right? It's alive today as a piece of entertainment, as it ever was. And there are the new adaptations that happen every year. There are a horde of adaptations that you can listen to on platforms um, like uh, Spotify and whatnot. And, and yep. by the way, if, like us, you're a fan of Dickens and you're a Christmas Carol fan, there are two recorded versions that I'd really point you to, one of which is on is definitely available on Spotify, the other of which I think might only be available on, on iTunes. But um, both uh, the British actor Simon Callow, who is one of the stars of Four Wedding and Santa Funeral, and has written loads of biographies of Orson Welles, he does a great one-man version of A Christmas Carol um, every other Christmas on the, on the West End stage in London. Not this year, nice. obviously. And you can find his reading of A Christmas Carol on Spotify, and I couldn't recommend it highly enough. And then uh, there's another great version, which I think can only get on iTunes or on CD at the moment, which is by Patrick Stewart, who also filmed yeah. this kind of one-man show. He did a movie version a few years ago. And, uh, yep. you know, that's something I'm not sure we talked about in great detail, but one of the great thrills of my life was meeting Patrick Stewart once and having him not at all be disappointing, having him be an amazing person. Right? <laughs> and I'd recommend both That's of those. awesome. But yeah. we're all lovers of A Christmas Carol. And it's such a powerful story because at the, at the end of the day, it is about empathy and regard for one's fellow human beings and about the power of redemption. The fact that, you know, you might have spent decades of your life being a bit of a fucking prick, yeah, and and really putting yourself before everybody else. But it doesn't have to be that way, and it's never too late to change. And and that's essentially the backbone of what A Christmas Carol is all about. And um, and so we hit upon the idea of um, about 10 years after he wrote A Christmas Carol, uh, Dickens produced an abridged, like, 90-minute version, which he then toured around the world looking at uh, doing as the kind of live version of A Christmas Carol. So so Dickens in the last 20 years of his life did a lot of live readings of, right. of the work that he'd performed. And the most popular reading he gave was of A Christmas Carol. And he toured the US and the UK. So he literally took a voyage to the US twice right. and did year-long tours where he performed his work. And the most popular thing that he did was A Christmas Carol. And the manuscript of that live version of A Christmas Carol still exists. And to give a shout-out to a great, uh, to a great uh, uh, comic book creator, 
a couple of years back, um, Neil Gaiman um, did a live reading while dressed in full Chris Charles Dickens makeup at the yes, Strand Bookstore <laughs> in New York. I did a live reading with Christmas Carol. But that literally, um, Dickens' manuscript, annotated with Dickens' handwriting, still exists. So John awesome. and Kenrick and I have taken that and we're going to perform that as a special introduction to Hard Degree, as a debut episode of Hard Degree, and also at the same time as a Chris special Christmas episode of Spoiler Country in aid of givecomicshope.org, or rather in support of givecomicshope.org. So all we're asking you to do is take a listen to what, what, what we've laid down and recorded and check out givecomicshope.org over this Yuletide. And this is the youth part of 2020. So that's what the, that's what the uh, that's what the project is, right, Johnny? Yeah, this is it. it, it kind of fell together too, because like you said, we've been talking about this for over a year. And uh, originally, um, you know, the thought was, uh, you know, all, all, the thought was always, you know, produce this, support a charity, right? Because we're all all three of us are big on on charity work and giving back and um, taking the things that you're fortunate about and making sure that uh, you give back to society because. Uh, if you don't, I, I'm a firm believer that if you don't give back to society, then you're you're, you're wasting efforts, right? Because the more you can give back, the better all society becomes. The better all society becomes, the better we all individually become, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it kind of it, it's this this year has been a very strange year. 2020 is a, is not a year that's been like any year I've ever ever heard of or read about in recent history. And um, we're as you mentioned, we're all really big in pop culture. I mean, we we met and fell. And, and fell into friendship over our love of pop culture. And John, I actually it, it, thought you were going to say then, we met and fell in love. Uh, <laughs> I thought, fuck, he's going to say it. He's going to say it out loud. Not just not just inside, inside the pub when we're having a drink. He's literally going to say it to everybody who listens to Spoiler Works. He's going he's gonna to come clean. <laughs> well, it's funny because I almost said that, but I caught myself <laughs> and corrected it. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, wrong, wrong, wrong word choice. <laughs> I fell but, into a friendship. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I love yeah, you. You, you great. know I love you guys. Come on. Yeah, you yeah. You know I love you guys. I think you're amazing. But, but what I was going with that is, is it, it kind of it fell on our laps that, you know, with this uh, this this charity that, that we're supporting is in the pop culture world. And it's a very important cause because if we as consumers of pop culture and comic books – want to keep consuming that we have to support the houses that bring it to us. Not, and not, I'm not talking about the published side, the people who actually the mom and pop shops, the people who own the shops that present us with the ability to not only buy the new books we're already reading, but find new books that we might like, because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a comic shop and talked to the people who worked there and bought something that I had no idea what I was going to buy because of talking to them and then recommending it. Like when I was in San Francisco, um, two years ago, I went to a comic shop and I wish I could remember the name. It was a great comic shop. It's really awesome. And the lady who was running, I talked to her and I went in there not want, I had no idea what I was going to buy, but I wanted something to read while I was on a work trip down there. And I ended up picking up black magic from uh, her recommendation. Yeah, yeah, right. And Oh my God, it was amazing. But I never would have bought that had I not talked to that comic shop owner, you know? And it's, 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 it's sad and cool that this has kind of fallen into being able to work this into the first the first ever Spoilers Christmas Carol as the charity we support. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is, and but it's very prescient, uh, and I think uh, I think you know I think it's 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 the, it's absolutely the, the the key thing in the right moments at the right time. 
and uh, and I, I just I, my fervent hope for for everybody who's in, in, both in the pop culture world that we occupy and in the extended world around us is that we get over the other side of this thing, you know, and, uh, and you know, our, our, we've all kind of lost people or know people who've lost people. You know, I've lost oh, yeah. people during this thing and, and, uh, and I've had some very close friends of mine, you know, have had nasty brushes with extreme ill health as a result of the pandemic and as a result of the coronavirus. And, and it's not just that. There's a bunch of other crazy shit going on at the same time as well. So, so, so you know, the, or, or, I think it's tremendously important, particularly if you've had a, you know, life life has dealt you some positive cards while all this has gone down. And some positive cards could just be clinging onto a job and, and you know, being able to feed the people that you love, you know, or yeah. not clinging onto a job but still being able to feed the people you love. You know, there's, there's a whole ton of people in this kind of brutal analogy to Dickens' Victorian London that uh, you know, are really struggling at this, at this time of year. And I think, uh, I think doing everything we can is very important. I agree. I agree. And that's uh, why one, one of the things my wife and I have always been big proponents of is we always donate to the food bank or donate to any of the local charities around us that you know help people who are in need of food or shelter or, or clothing. And uh, since the pandemic, since we're both – we're for lack of a better word, we've been blessed with having good jobs that aren't affected by the pandemic. If anything, my job has gotten more intense and more busy because of my day job. Um, cause I work in sales tax and the sales tax is never going to go away. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, right. That's so true. Right. Yeah. So, and so, and so does my wife, we both work for the same company. So we've been fortunate enough to, um, not only keep our jobs and do well, but to flourish in them a little bit as well. And it's been very good for our kids. So we, this, since this pandemic happened, we've, we've upped our, our game of, donating to the food the local food banks and donating money where we can and 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 you know donating clothes to the shelters and stuff and uh, i feel and we're not gonna i, I don't see us pulling back on that anytime soon just because we're in a position where we can help out and i feel like i said earlier if you can help out i i feel a moral obligation i don't say everybody should but i feel a moral obligation to help out my fellow human no matter who they are or where they are because as again, the better we bring up society, the better we bring up ourselves and everybody else around us. And it's insanely important to me to help other people, not just be uh, all about myself. No, it's so, it's so true, John. I mean, the reality is it's the only way we're going to survive as human beings is to recognize the fact that, you know, it's, it's society is not about how rich you can become and who the richest people in that society are. It's not about being Bezos or any of those guys. It's about right. if you if you actually have that level of personal wealth and income, it's about how you can use it to support the people at the opposite end of the spectrum. And that's the name of the game, you know. It's about the human continuum. We've got to look after each other. And if we don't learn that basic lesson, there are other things that are, are, are roaring down the pipe that are going to take us out. You know, it's yeah. before we figure out the human condition, you know, Mother Earth is going to sort us out. You know what I mean? You know, we really need to pull together, you know, communality and collectivity are just supremely important. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, oh, yeah. that, that is the key. Um, that is absolutely the key. And uh, moving on from that, topic, I think I think I just want to talk specifically about things, something that we're not going to talk about, you know, when you when you listen to a spoiler bus Christmas Carol. And that's really uh, what the what the inspiration for some of that treatment is. So, so basically what we've done is we've taken the live performance version 
of Dickens' Christmas Carol, which was narrated completely by him, standing in, standing in a variety of large theatres throughout the US and the, and the UK. Could you, could you I, imagine being in that crowd, what, listening and watching Charles Dickens <laughs> do that story? I, just, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he, he was actually, it's interesting you say that, Kenrick, because he's kind of the, he was the rock star of his day, yeah? Yeah. He's like Green Day doing the Hell and Mega Tour. You know, you know what I mean? Right. It's, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what the deal is. Yeah, it's like David Bowie in the Glass Spider Tour. That that was that was you know, Charles Dickens made hundreds of thousands of pounds from those tours in like eighteen sixty. You know, that's such a phenomenal amount of money. So much money back it, then. It's just amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a wish they could have recorded that. Yeah, Christ, it's incredible. And um and, but but what we're performing is a one-man version of reading and narrating um, a Christmas Carol. So we've done it with a few tweaks, and and those those, those tweaks would be that um, at a certain point, Scrooge encounters two charitably-minded businessmen, and in our version, those two charitably-minded businessmen are not English; they are American. And they are played by two people who will be very familiar to the spoiler country audience, right? And so, and they play and then play those characters very well with great warmth and great humanity, yeah. And um, everything else is pretty much narrated and performed by myself. But there's a few tweaks in that also, <clears throat> and one of those key tweaks is that uh, Bob Cratchit, who is uh, Scrooge's clerk has, in every version of A Christmas Carol I've ever seen, been portrayed as a Londoner, because he is a Londoner. Uh, and and uh, and I think in the, in the original novella, he lives in Camden, um, and he's a Londoner born and raised. But in my version, because I'm from Merseyside originally, he's portrayed as a scouser who has come down to London and made his family there. So he works for Mr. Scrooge, but he's got a Liverpool accent. His family, his wife and his kids have London accents, but he, but he is a scouser. And that is, just a, that is just a nod to my own personal history and to my, my, uh, my grandfather, Pop Smite, and my mum and dad, who are brilliantly still with us and quarantining up in Merseyside. Nice. So, nice. So, so, uh, so, yeah, so there's that. And so those, I would say, are the two key tweaks on, on, on this that we've done. Bob Cratchit is a scouser and the two charitable gentlemen are Americans. And may I say, very nice, Portly. very warm Americans. The kind the of people... The sexiest <laughs> Americans ever. Exactly, the kind of people, Johnny, that you could fall in love with you know, at San Diego. <laughs> they nice. can hold you yeah, tight and yeah. keep you warm. And, and honestly, that was a lot of fun to do. Like, I've... Uh, uh, that's the second time I've ever had to read lines for something. Um, I did a voice for a minor character in this really off-put anime one time um, last year, but uh, <laughs> this was a lot more fun because this was that was their lines in that were ridiculous. But this was fun to do, and, and like just three of us doing it together was a lot of was really really an enjoyable experience. You you, you mean the off-put animation writing was not up to Charles Dickinson par? <laughs> 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 what I'm saying is I only did that voice, and I hope he doesn't hear this, but I only did that voice for him because he was a friend, um, yeah. but I would never have done it otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, uh, I, it, was, it was a glorious experience, and, and you know, I, it could well be, right, that this it's is really one fun. of those masturbatory personal projects where we're 
yanking <laughs> off about how how, much, how good it is, and we're the only three people who will ever think that. And, and when this right. goes live, the next day, Bill Shainus or Philip Sablet will ring me up and go, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> what <laughs> you the hell know is this? What? So this is essentially... That was horrible. Just Who was this portly American? Reading Shakespeare, in reading Charles Dickens, not Shakespeare, reading Charles Dickens for 90 minutes, not very well, because you're not an actor, and, uh, and getting your teammates to join in. This is what you call, you know, your special Christmas edition <laughs> of Spoiler Country and Hard Agree. And the answer would be yes, uh, that is exactly what we call yeah, our special Christmas exactly edition. exactly what it is. Um, Very much a Spinal lot, Tap. A lot of love went into it, man. I mean, it's like, yeah. it, whether it's good or bad is a lot of fun it. to do. Yeah, no, and that, <laughs> right. that's, it. that's exactly my thinking. The level yeah, of no, performative the is, competence is not the key, key paradigm. It, it's how much we enjoy yeah. doing it and what it means to us, right? Yeah, and the, exactly. Can, and the thing, as the years go by, if we do this again and we re-record and we, you know, it can only get better. That is absolutely right, and uh, and we won't delve into the detail here. But the boys and I have have absolutely discussed how the idea for us is for a spoiler verse Christmas Carol to become a kind of hardy perennial, and we yep. we put out a version of it each year. And it may not yep. always be the same version, and there may be other tweaks that we've got planned. But right. you know, we're not going to jinx ourselves by saying what those tweaks are. Yes. But you know, we definitely right. have right. a plan. That's the important thing. We have a cunning. <laughs> we have a cunning plan that we have already yeah. laid out. Whether it comes That's to right. pass or not is a different thing. But you know, as long as you're still alive and kicking and breathing, you are going to see a, a spoilerverse Christmas Carol, even if yep. the the average. Uh, listening audience is three people, us, yeah. and you're still, you're still <laughs> going to see it. And, and, and I just want to, I thought one thing we could pivot into, you know, because let's face it, it is Christmas time. There's no need mm-hmm. to be afraid. We're right in the middle of the Yuletide era here. Um, it is that uh, just to talk about great Christmas entertainments that we've all enjoyed. And I, I'm going to kick this off, but there's lots of places we can go, but I'm going to kick this off by actually talking about Christmas Carol because there are a bunch of interesting adaptations. We talked about audio adaptations just now, but a bunch of interesting movies. If anybody, I think there are at least, there are at least three versions of this story on screen that you could watch and literally almost watch back to back on successive days and get a different experience out of each one of them and, and, and enjoy it. And my vote for those for those versions would be there's a classic British version made in the late 40s or early 50s starring the, the British actor Alistair Sim. Yeah. And um, in the UK, it was originally released with the title Scrooge. But in the US, it was always released with the title Christmas Carol. And that is 100% the finest performance anybody has ever given as Scrooge. Now, Alistair Sim was a famous... British comedy actor in a lot of black and white movies. And he was in the St. Trinian series, which is about a girl's school full of like criminal, like um, pupils. And, uh, and, and he's a really famous actor in the UK. You boys might not have heard of him, but his version of a Christmas Carol, which you can get on DVD and Blu-ray. I would urge you guys to buy that for yourselves to watch over the Christmas period. So it's a Christmas Carol Blu-ray starring Alistair Sim. It's amazing, and his performance is unbeatable. Nobody's even come close. He's the best like Scrooge <laughs> ever because he's great when he's Scrooge and he's miserable as fuck. 
and he's great when he's screwed and he's transformed. Yeah. So nice. that, that would be number one. And then number two is there's a great um, TV movie version, weirdly with an American lead, um, George C. Scott, from That's the a great kind one. of like late 70s, early 80s. Yep. That is very, very good. Yeah. And his performance is great, actually. That's because he's got such menace to him, I think. <coughs> and, um, and then, and then oh, I'm going to go for, okay, I'm going to go for two more. I'm going to go for two more. Then, go for it. Then there's a movie called Scrooge, which is, a mo- which is a musical made in 1971, right, that stars Albert Finney, one of the greatest British actors of all time, as Scrooge. And at that point, he was young and handsome, but he, he plays Scrooge as kind of old and decrepit, and he's made up in a particularly unappealing kind of, like with a particularly unappealing visual look. But the music um, for that is by a guy called Leslie Brocuss, who is one of the guys who was involved in Oliver. And have you ever seen the musical Oliver? The musical Scrooge is very much in the same vein. So it's one of those dark Victorian British musicals that has a whole bunch of like dramatic incident that you wouldn't see in an American musical at the same time. So just to recap, if you ever watch um, uh, Oliver, there's a lot of violence and darkness in that, in addition to all the joy and dancing. Because you, you're talking about a bunch of abused, underprivileged kids and, you know, pimps and whores and all this really dark fucking Victorian shit while everybody's dancing along and singing all these merry tunes, yeah? And, and Scrooge is kind of like that. It's got this amazing soundtrack that's, that's beautiful to listen to. It has these really powerful performances as well. And uh, I would recommend to anybody, get watch the Scrooge musical over Christmas. And then the other Check thing I was going to add in, would be surprisingly, and you boys may know where I'm going with this, one of the most um, faithful adaptations of A Christmas Carol and one of the best adaptations of A Christmas Carol with a towering performance of Scrooge is The Muppet Christmas Carol starring Michael Caine. Michael Caine's fucking amazing in it. It's actually really good. And if you're a big lover of Dickens like we all are, you watch that and go, yeah, that is a Christmas carol. It, it's just a Christmas carol performed by the Muppets. But they get yeah. to the emotion of it brilliantly. What, yep, and yep. it's also very much it's a, scary too. A, a, a Muppet production. But it, it's brilliant. You know, it works on so That's many crazy. levels. For, oh, for me... Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. You know, Kenrick, go ahead, please, mate. Yeah, I was just saying, for me, uh, the first time I saw uh, A Christmas Carol was the Alistair Sim movie. Because my grandmother, we were in California, and this is like 1983. Uh, it was on TV, and we all sat down and watched. And that was my first. That was my first introduction to it. And that's what. So when I think of Christmas Carol, I always see Alistair Sim as Scrooge. You know, I don't. I, I've seen the other ones; they're great. You know, but that to me, I, I 100% agree with you. That's that's the one. That if you're going to see the pitiful, the, the pitiful, the pinnacle performance of Scrooge, <laughs> it's Alistair Sim as as Scrooge. Oh, well, the other well, one that, I love, one thousand percent, he is Scrooge. He just inhabits yeah. the role completely. Yeah, the other one I love is Scrooged with Bill Murray. Oh yeah, well that, that's oh, a, that's yeah. a great film actually. Um, oh god, it was so good, and it was just first it was funny. As I was watching it, I, you know why it makes that movie so good is that as you're watching it, you know in the back of your head that this is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, but you don't 
watch it like it's an adaptation of a Christmas Carol. You know, you just have fun with it. And then, and you're laughing yeah. through the whole thing. And then when you get done, you're like, wow, that was a really good version of a classic story that they completely modernized for that, you know, that you wouldn't get in other ways. It's, it's, I thought it was brilliant. I, I, I agree with you, mate. And, and, uh, it, interestingly, right. Directed by a man who has directed two great Christmas movies. So it's directed by Richard Donner. Okay. Oh God. And Donner's so good. Two great Christmas films. One of them is Scrooged. Do you boys know what the other one is? I don't. Wouldn't be Die Hard, would it? No, he didn't. But, yeah, I mean, Did so close, but not Die Hard. That was directed by John McTiernan. But we're in that no, that's same a, that's wheelhouse. John McTiernan. Can you feel where I'm coming from? Oh, God, I want to say... I, I know. I, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> Come on, man. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, it's like it's a Richard Donner film, and it is 100% a Christmas movie. Oh, God, does it have Gina Davis in it? No. No, but, but again, you're not a million miles away. Same wheelhouse. Gina Davis worked with the person who's, who wrote the film in question on more than one occasion. So, oh, my God. Tell me what it is. Okay, you ready? Yep. It ready. is Lethal Weapon. <laughs> oh. I was going to say Lethal Weapon. <laughs> yeah, Lethal Weapon is a Christmas film, and it is a great Christmas film, and it is a great film, you know what I mean? And I would say that uh, so when fun. you watch Lethal Weapon, the great thing about Lethal Weapon and Die Hard is they both have in common is they, they neither of them have dated. When you watch them, they're very much rooted in the 1980s, but you can still enjoy them to this day. About the only thing that really dates is Riggs's haircut. You know, Riggs' yeah. haircut is like over time, the mullet and whatnot. But oh, in yeah. every other respect, that's such a powerful film, but it's very much a Christmas movie. But then again, yes. Shane Black, who wrote a, a Lethal Weapon, just about every movie he ever makes is set at Christmas. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a great Christmas movie. Have you ever seen that's that, interesting. guys? Oh, yeah. It's so good. And I, I think, but I'm not 100% sure, maybe you guys can I like Shane me. Black. I think The Nice Guys is set at Christmas as well. I you might so. be. You might be right. Nice guys is amazing. And nice guys are massively underrated. I think. Oh, that was such a great movie. It was a shock too because I just saw. Oh, it's Russell Crowe and. Oh, and, it's so uh, good! It's joyful to watch. You know, it's so brilliant. Yeah. And, and I think the thing is, um, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't no, know anything about it. I, right, I cold watched it, and, which and was the, great. And the truth is that Ryan Gosling, you know, shows this real ability that he has with almost Abbott and Costello-style slapstick humour. There's a bit yeah. where he's literally doing Luke Costello, doing that bit that he does where he kind of goes... <laughs> <laughs> and he can't say it. He's like doing Luke Costello, and I was watching that going, fuck me. I'm watching oh, a Ryan Gosling action film, and he's doing a Luke Costello impression. You, this is a you, moment I thought I would never see. Talking about Richard Donner Just and so Luke Hey, lads, I don't know why I've thought about this. Can I mention something else about our version of the Christmas Carol? Of course. Carol? Of course. Just come into my mind. It's a, there's something particularly I want to kind of name check if I can. And uh, I'm massively sort of trying to like buy time here because Wait, I should have. Hold on. Why, why, why are you looking it. that up? I, I why are you, you looking that ask up? Ask me another question. Let's talk about something else. And I'll, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get my. Get my brain in it all together, and, and then I can. <laughs> wait, wait, here, let me, let me tell you a little story. Oh, lovely! I love it. <laughs> you, you talked about Richard Donner and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. While Gibson was shooting Braveheart, Donner visited the set, and he plants a flag 
And on the flag, it tells Mel, stop wearing the dress and come shoot Lethal Weapon 3. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Which I thought was great. That's great. That is beautiful. Absolutely. I love that. You know, Richard Donner also directed The Goonies. True, he did. Do it, uh, he also, well, he also, of course, directed Superman. Oh, yeah. well, that's... Also, just like, to start you boys don't know that. Uh, I yeah, mean... Oh, by the way, he, wait, you know he directed he, Superman. He did? Oh, yeah. my God. What? The quintessential What, the actual Superman. fuck? <laughs> so, right, uh, I, I've, I've, For, I've, I've, I've pieced my brain together. I know what I want to say. Uh, good, so, good, good. So, so basically... Um, by the way, I've got one more final great version, movie version of A Christmas Carol for you. It's the Disney animated version with Jim Carrey. That it that is a fucking great adaptation. It's really, really I saw good. It in the theater, it was good. And, and and Carrie voices most of the characters. Not all of them, yeah. but most of them. He voices all of the ghosts and he voices Scrooge. And the great thing about him is that guy, more than any other American actor I've ever seen, there are American actors who do brilliant English accents. The best British accent I've ever seen by any American actor is by Gwyneth Paltrow. And um, that she's in that, well in known that in the epic 90s. movie Sliding Doors, which we've talked about before, right? Her, right? her kind of London working human kind of voice is just amazing. It's like, fuck yeah. me, that's, exa- uh, that's exactly how they sound. Uh, 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 that's exactly how Londoners sound. Just I remember so when she good. did a Shakespeare in Love, people freaked out about her accent. Yeah. How good a, she a did. Lot, a lot of people, there was a time when a lot of people didn't even get the fact that she was American. You know, j- yeah. just so good. <laughs> and, um, and uh, okay, my brain's temporarily shorting out. Who plays Catwoman in um, Dark Knight Rises? And Hathaway. Oh, what's her yeah, name? Okay. Yeah, so Anne, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway is in the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass, right? And yeah. I've seen Alice in Wonderland, but I've not seen Alice Through the Looking Glass. But, I live in Ealing in, in West London, and there's a famous movie studio here, Ealing Studios, and it's where, uh, where Alec Guinness filmed all the famous movies he made in the, in the 50s and the 60s, which were called the Ealing Comedies. But they also, as a result of that, my daughter, Lucifer, went to a primary school where every now and again they would take them to visit productions being made at Ealing Studios. And some of the interiors at, uh, for Alice Through the Looking Glass were shot at Ealing Studios. She may have gone to Pinewood Studios, which is also very close by. But she went along and she met Anne Hathaway. Oh, and that's Anne, cool. Hathaway, Anne Hathaway plays one of the queens in, in uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. I, again, I haven't seen so I'm not sure which one. But the white when, queen. when Lucifer met Anne Hathaway, she said two things about it. She was really nice, really interested in the kids and spent a lot of time with them, reading to them and whatnot. And they all thought she was English because she did her, <laughs> her accent she didn't break character. She did her accent the whole time. So That's my, awesome. So, so my, my <laughs> daughter has quite a way with words. And uh, we went to see, you know, we were watching Dark Knight Returns one night. She's like, what, what? Like, Dad, what the fuck is going on? Look, she's got a fucking American accent. She's not English. And I'm like, uh, no, she isn't English. Oh, wait, wait a minute. When I met her, right, Dad, I'm like, what? He fucking way. <laughs> she hadn't told me about the school visit. She did like she was like, yeah, no, well, yeah, like real for reals. Like we went to when we were at primary school, we went to see that Alice through the looking glass thing. When I met her, she was like English. She was like English, she's English as you. She's fucking American. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so Anne Hathaway's it got clearly got an impeccable English accent. But That's where I was awesome. going with this is that um, uh, quite often Scrooge is played as a man, as a kind of lemony old <coughs> stick in his mid seventies, late seventies, and you know as an old miser with a you know with who's a miserable old bastard of a certain age, right? And um, in recent years, he's been. He's been aged down in some of the productions I've seen. So anyway, so Scrooge has been to. Uh, you can cut around this, right, mate? Um, you know, you're oh yeah, the, I, I can cut. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. So Scrooge has been traditionally played as a guy in his like late seventies, a lemony old bastard. Um, but in recent productions I've seen in the UK on stage, they've kind of aged him down. And like last year, the guys who made Peaky Blinders did a TV version for the UK, which. Um, which uh, starred, oh, mate, the wristed hinges of the door to age. Who the fuck am I talking about <laughs> now? Who's the guy who stars in LA Confidential who is not Russell Crowe and is younger than Russell Crowe? Australian actor, brilliant actor, uh, Guy Pearce. So, so, okay. so Guy Pearce, that's all right, mate, there we go. The process, to- the process of talking to you about it helped me to get to where I was trying to get to. <laughs> so there's this Peaky Blinders Guy Pierce version of um, A Christmas Carol. And it was half successful. It's, it's kind of, He's brilliant in it. He's fucking amazing in it. But my problem with it is it's mo- way much more Peaky Blinders than it is Dickens. So there's not enough warmth in it to me. You know, there's a lot of darkness mm-hmm. And by the time that uh, Scrooge kind of sees the errors of his ways, he's done such fucking awful things that there's no way he could ever get past them. You know, so right. he's not really a reformed character. He's somebody knows he's done terrible wrongs and he's got to try and make up for them. But it doesn't wipe out what he's done has been too extreme, yeah. And to right. me, that's not really the spirit of it, you know, to me, yeah. To me personally, yeah. with my, like, soft-hearted, like, demeanor, <laughs> it was just too right. bleak for me, yeah. yeah. For me, like for Christmas Carol, the the first memory I have of that story is actually the Mickey Mouse version. Oh right? yeah, so good, so and, good, mate. So and good. I, for a long time, I thought that was just a Disney Mickey Mouse story yeah, as a right. kid, and then yeah. I saw the Muppet version. I was like, oh, the Muppets adapted the, Disney, yeah, the Mickey yeah, Mouse yeah, version. Yeah. Then I found out later, oh no, this is a very old story. And then I read the story, and then I bought other ones. But yeah, in my mind, the 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 Mickey Mouse version with with Uncle Scrooge, and I always thought Uncle Scrooge was. Just that was who Scrooge was, was Uncle Scrooge the Duck. And yeah. uh, then the, Mupp- the Muppets version. And then, um, you know, those two always stick on my head because I was the, I was young when I watched them and I've watched them a lot. And yeah. uh, they just, you know, embody me. But, you know, nothing for me, nothing beats just reading the original, right? Just oh, reading the yeah, book. Yeah, and it's always and, the case with anything. The Sun Source, yeah. the original version is always the most powerful. And I, and I guess where I'm going with my points about the um, Scrooge having been aged down. <laughs> is that often Scrooge has been portrayed as a guy nearing 80 who's a kind of lemony old miser, and he sees right. his and he, and he sees the light towards the end of his life. You know, and, and then it's not a spoiler in this instance, because we all know how the story turns out. You yeah. know, he sees the errors of his ways and he dedicates himself to giving Christmas in his heart and benefiting his fellow man. But I've seen a lot of recent productions um, in the UK where uh, where Scrooge is is kind of is younger. He's more like a guy who's my age in his mid fifties, and then he sees the errors error of his ways 
And he has 20 years to make up, 30 years to make up for what he's done wrong, which is, I think, very interesting. And I saw a production of, there's been a great production of A Christmas Carol, not this year, but for for the three years before this year, for obvious reasons, no stage productions at the moment. But the old Vic, which is a classic old theatre in London, has done a version of A Christmas Carol, which is beautifully put together. And, um, and has had has changed the lead out each year, and that's been a really heartwarming experience. It's been the Mountain production, but uh, but two years ago, I went to the Royal Shakespeare Company, like in Stratford on Avon, the home of Shakespeare, and they did a version of a Christmas Carol. It was the second year that they'd done it, which was which really was kind of beautifully conceived, and it had a brilliant, a denouement, brilliant climax. It was just very very moving, but the the way they, the actor they had playing Scrooge was an actor called Aidan Gillett. And if you look up Aidan Gillett, he's quite a fucking strapping big dude, right? Okay. And he played Scrooge in a way I'd never seen Scrooge play before. He didn't play him as a miserable old bastard full of lemony remarks. He played him as somebody who was physically imposing and was actually quite menacing, right? So if you take, if you take Scrooge's lines but impart them with threat rather than complaint. You completely change mm. the way the characters perform. So yeah, if you take everything that he says, but it's not him whinging, it's him threatening people. That's what Aidan Gillett's like, Scrooge was like. And it's like, I was totally blown away. I was like, Jesus Christ, the genius. This is amazing. Yeah. So so what I've tried to do, not, not I'm not saying I've succeeded, but what I've tried to do and been inspired by is my reading of Scrooge is a guy who's my age, who's formidable, who is like threatening, like a fucking, you know, Liverpool gangster, like a South London gangster would be. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not saying I've achieved that. All I'm saying (laughs) is that's where I'm going with it. So that was the attempt. (laughs) So, yeah. So rather than being somebody who talks like this, and "Ah, I think you're a bit of a fucking prick, sir, you know, like that. (laughs) My Scrooge isn't that Scrooge. My Scrooge is this Scrooge. It's like, I don't think so, sir. Leave me alone. Like, you better leave this guy alone or he's going to fuck you up, son. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's where I'm trying to go with my Scrooge. Well, that was a very deliberate I think you, thing. I think you captured it well, too, because like listening to the playbacks of what you recorded for it and uh, doing the live recording with you uh, for our parts um, – it comes it it comes across that way, right? It comes across not just as an, an older gentleman who's stuck in his ways, but a guy who's like, don't fuck with me. I, yeah. I I'm not one to fuck with, and that's that's what comes. And the, the the voice you do for Scrooge, I think is perfect. I, I like it. I like I loved it. It was it's it's it hits the character of the way in my brain I want him to sound. Ah, uh, John, you, you, Johnny, you're very very kind, and uh, and I think because I think it makes his ultimate transformation much more interesting. If he's some mm-hmm. not some ineffectual, miserable, whinging old old, I keep I keep on stopping myself from using the very <laughs> British c word here. By the way, you know, uh, which of course I use all the time in real life. You know, right. so so I keep on going. Well, he's not. Yeah, I'm going to say it. You know, because we say it a lot. Of these, I say not some yeah. miserable, whinging old cunt, but you know, uh, but actually <laughs> somebody who's chosen the path that he chose that he chooses. Because I think if Scrooge is choosing to behave that way and choosing mm-hmm. to embrace that level of threat and menace, it makes his transformation at the end much more much more powerful. 
It's like, right. oh shit, man, I've seen the error of my ways. I it's like right. being one of the Cray twins and then going, fuck, I can't go around doing this. I've got to, I've got to be <laughs> a makes, better man. Yeah, it makes that turn at the end much more, one, more powerful, like you said, and two, it makes it more one believable too because you see, you hear the the difference in the inflection of the voice and you you think, okay, this is guy is is really, he's really grown, right? Yeah. And you see that growth in that and it's, it's I like it. Oh, thanks, man. Well, let's see if anybody else does. That's the important thing. It, uh, as I said, it could they, just you, be you, me, and you, me, and Kenrick <laughs> rubbing our hands together going, this is amazing. <laughs> Look, I guarantee we'll get at least 10 listens, okay? okay. Just, I guarantee yeah, 10. all right, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be me five times, but it'll be 10. Yeah, those 10 <laughs> lessons will not include my kids. I can tell you that right. much for sure. <laughs> and, and who I love very much and love me, but, you know, have a healthy degree of cynicism about anything that I lay down or record because they're going to listen to my voice. They're going to listen to me talk about this shit all the time. You know what I mean? Right. You, can you imagine the vast levels of eyeball rolling that go on? You know, it's, it's my, endless. My, uh, my almost 10 year old daughter uh, has an iPod and she found spoiler country on, on the podcast app. Yeah. And she goes, dad, isn't this you guys? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, can I listen? And I'm like, well, I mean, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> So she started, she started listening to the podcast, like newer ones, uh, the interviews and stuff. And she's like, and she goes, you guys are boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are boring as fuck. Who cares about the stuff that you talk about? Right. She's like, she, well, she's, she's super into anime right now. Yeah. Like she's gotten, she's gone down the world, the rabbit hole of anime right now. And so she's, she's like, you guys don't talk about anime. And I'm like, no, well, I mean, we, we would, but we just haven't very much. And she's like, talk about anime. I'll listen again. And I'm like, okay, Tegan. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, so, so, Johnny, I think that's such a great story. And you've got to tell her, I said hello, you've got to give my greetings from the heart of West London, mate. Um, and all the oh, family, of course. You know, so, so let, one, one other thing, mate. Let's cl- I think this is what we should close out on. Because I think we've about as effectively uh, fashioned yeah. a prelude as we can. So, okay, top 10 Christmas songs, top 10 Christmas movies. Oh, man. On the and, spot. <laughs> and you don't have to come up with 10. You just have to come up with as many as you can think of. So Christmas movies is easy and it's going to, you're going to laugh at me. I know you are, but like my number one Christmas movie that I, it just, and it just, cause it makes me feel good and makes me laugh is actually jingle all the way with Arnold. Oh, great choice, mate. <laughs> great choice. Great choice. Yeah. I just, I love that movie. And, uh, um, I'm also, I grew up in the nineties, you know, I, I was eight years old, 1990. So I grew up in the nineties. Um, a little in the eighties, but like home alone always stands out too. Yeah, great. Because I always picture myself as Kevin McAllister as yeah, a kid. Yeah. You know, I was him being the yeah. I mean, I know I was not bad like that, but I wanted to be that kid. And that house they had, oh my god, that house was gorgeous. Yeah. Such a beautiful <laughs> um, house. It is, it is. And then like uh I mean, uh Night Before Christmas, but that falls both Halloween and Christmas. I love that movie as well. Um trying to think of other ones. I mean, if you throw Die Hard in the mix of being a Christmas movie, obviously Die Hard's up there because Die Hard's just an amazing film. Um, um, I mean, I tell you what, mate, these are all fucking amazing choices. I mean, really, 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 really good, really good choices, mate. I love it. I'm going to, you've made me think of something on the music front, right? You've got to look this up because it's ridiculous. So Joe Pesci, of course, is one of the bad guys in Home Alone. Yeah. And Joe Pesci has had just this amazing career. Um, a couple of years after he was in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Great okay. movie. He records like a whole album, okay, a whole music album. This is this is legit. The truth. This is just insane. Yeah, 
as as his character from Mike as in Vin, Vinny, um, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini, right? Okay, yeah, and and he literally recorded an album called Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings just for you, because this is insane. I didn't know this. Joe Pesci used to be a lounge singer at one point. And this is oh he did this is not know that I originally heard this and thought it was somebody doing a Joe Pesci impression, but it's not. It's a real thing. And on that album, Vincent Laguardia Gambini sings just for you. There's a Christmas song called "If It Doesn't Snow on Christmas," and I'm not going to sing it for you now, Johnny. I'm going <laughs> to say to you, you really need to listen to it because it is exactly what you'd expect having Joe Pesci <laughs> sing a Christmas song with a shit ton of F-bombs in it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's nuts. That's awesome. That's amazing. So I, I think all your choices are brilliant. What I love about them is they're none of my choices, which I think is a good <laughs> thing. You know, so I can now tell you my choices, which would be... Yeah. Um, so I would say my number one Christmas movie of all time, and it's very much beloved of, of people my age, It's a Wonderful Life by Frank Capra. With James Stewart. That's a great one. An incredible it's movie. A great one. Referenced memorably in Gremlins as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An amazing film. Um, probably my second favorite is Bad Santa. So, which is oh, Bad so Santa funny. is my, uh, which is a brilliant, like nihilistic comedy, but also a great Christmas movie because it genuinely has heart. And uh, I've got two stories about that. Number one, it is my 89 year old dad's favorite Christmas film and he watches it every year <laughs> and laughs like awesome. a drain. And, uh, and the first year that I, I watched it with him, he sends me this email, you know, which is, this is ages ago now. He goes, dear son, I have just watched Bad Santa on your recommendation. Fucking brilliant. Lots of love <laughs> at Christmas time, dad. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, That's and, a beautiful and, email. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he watches it every year. And whenever I'm with him, which can't be this year for COVID reasons, we, we watch it together. And, uh, and then, but the first time I saw um, a Christmas Carol, no, Christmas Carol, that's what we just did. First time I saw a Bad Santa, I was on a holiday in the early 2000s in Boston with my sister. Yeah. And I was with my <laughs> sister, Jacka, and, um, and we, we were, we were, we, we were going to do all this stuff in Boston. And when we got to Boston, this massive eastern seaboard snowstorm hit. Yeah. And we were literally stuck in the center of Boston. I'm not kidding. Like the snow was like up to your knees deep, right? Yeah. It's insane amounts of snow. And so the only thing we could do was go to the Ritz-Carlton for drinks. We could walk across through the snow across the common, go to the Ritz-Carlton for drinks and look out on the public garden. And we went to the cinema. And we went to the cinema and we saw Bad Santa. And my sister and I um, laughed so much Mm-hmm. We were with quite a straight-laced audience who found it quite, um, found it quite, you know, dismaying in some respects. We almost got ejected from the cinema because we were laughing that much. <laughs> and once she came out of that, uh, a couple of years later, my sister um, changed careers and became a teacher. And I think one of the reasons for her doing that is that whole scene about, you know, I think I turned a corner today. I beat the shit out of some ten-year-old kids, but it was for a purpose. <laughs> I feel good about myself. I think she's just taken that to heart and wanted to implement it. So, yeah. Right. So, uh, let's close out one. 
because there's many other things you could say, but Bad Santa is uh, yeah. one of the ultimate, and a Christmas Carol, of course, Ralphie and his shotgun. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, no, Bad Santa is an amazing film. It is, it, they're, 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 they're all great flicks, right? So, uh, so on that very festive vibe, I just want to say to anybody who's listening to this and has made it all this way through, you know, through this prelude, uh, welcome to a spoiler verse Christmas Carol. You know, I hope you're going to enjoy it. And it's certainly supporting a cause that we all feel very strongly about. Yep. And we'll have links to the cause to that, to that in the, the show notes below for this episode and for, um, all the releases we do, and we'll be we'll be pushing it out everywhere on all the social medias. Well, we, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll link to givecomicshope.org everywhere yep. you see this, and the show notes on this, on all of the preludes, and, and and all the social media, as Johnny says. Hey, Johnny, thanks for carving out this time in the middle of December, days away <laughs> from Christmas Day, to have this chat with me, mate. Early in your morning of and course. late in my afternoon. It's always so great to uh, sit, speak to you and Kenrick. Oh man, it's always awesome to talk to you, man. I can't wait till we can actually be in, you know, hang out, hang out again in person and and do it on. I'm waiting, looking forward to doing it on your side of the water for a change sometime. Oh mate, and, uh, you know you're always welcome. The, the, you yeah. know, as soon as you can come over, you can come here. Well, and you can look at my animal house print, and uh, we can have nice. some. We can have some heavy drinks. My, uh, my well, my wife and I had planned on going to England this like this year, but then everything happened. You know, yeah, of course. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're definitely gonna get out there, and obviously, you know, if life goes back to normal next year, we'll see you at San Diego and you everywhere else. I bet you'll speak yeah. to me much more often, particularly with the advent of Hard Degree. You know, you see the yeah. way I work the word Advent in there. We'll, we'll we're gonna be we're gonna be talking to each other on a very regular basis, and of course, you know, whenever you can make it to London, you know, yes. I'll be privileged to host you. And there's a ton of great things because London is a great city, mate. It really is. Yep. It's not the city, yeah. you know, Liverpool's a great city. London is an amazing city. One of the top cities in the world. So, you know, you have to experience it at least once in your lifetime, but not I in agree. the middle of a world blazing pandemic right. <laughs> on the other right. side of that. Although travel's cheap right now, right? <laughs> so true. It's very cheap. Absolutely. But I don't want to travel. May, you may not be guaranteed to survive. It's like taking a holiday right. in Westworld. You know, you may have a great time while you're there, but you may never be seen again. Yeah, maybe your last. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, well, thanks. What, can, I want to say thank you for Kinderkin and me. Uh, thank you for wanting to do this Christmas Carol with us. Uh, when you brought this to our attention, I want to close out on this real quick and just let you know that when you brought this to us and, and gave us this idea and we talked about it, I, we were. I was, and so was Kinnick, very much like, this is amazing, and I'm so happy that we're getting to do this, um, because one of the things Kinnick and I have talked about since pretty much since we started the podcast was doing audio reproductions of, of stories, like doing audiobooks or doing like like this, and uh, we just don't know how to do anything, right, for that. Yeah. And uh, when you brought this, and, and, and we started talking about it, I was like, man, this is perfect, because this is, one, something we've talked about, and two... It's just the whole thing as a whole, doing the Christmas Carol, which is an amazing story, uh, doing it for a charity, which is which makes me feel amazing, and then just doing it the three of us for now uh, is just it just makes me so happy, and and, and I appreciate it, all, all, all of that. Me too, brother. I mean, uh, you know, on the on the uh, on the trio note in which you say, right? You know, Alexander Dumas said it best: "All for one, and one for all." Especially yep. at Yuletide, especially at this time of the year, and uh, and uh, again. You know, in the spirit of the year, without trying to like layer, layer too many layers of custard on this. You know, I, it's been such a pleasure and a privilege getting to know you guys and and being your friend 
And, you know, I, I've loved everything we've done together thus far. We've got so many more plans. Very excited about it. And, you know, it's been a privilege to, to do this with you guys and a lot of fun. And, you know, I hope everybody's going to enjoy it. But more than anything, I hope that everybody really goes and checks out uh, givecomicshope.org and gets on board with the very important work they're doing. Yeah, so... If you're listening today, come back tomorrow and hear a Spoilerverse Christmas Carol. And if you listen to us sometime in the future, go to the next episode, take a listen to it. And, uh, you know, one, let us know what you think. And two, <clears throat> share it around and, and and support all the charities you can. And, and finally, Johnny, I've got four words for you, right? What's that? Okay. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays to you too, man. <laughs>